This is Jill D. And welcome to my podcast, Never Dull Moment, Single Mom Stories. The stories you're about to hear come from my own experiences being a single mom. None of my stories are intended to tell anyone how to parent or how to raise their children. They are solely for the purposes of sharing them with you. I know everyone has their own stories to tell. These are mine. Hello, fall. Hello, 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 everybody. This is Jill D. And thank you for coming and listening to my podcast, Never a Dull Moment, Single Mom Stories. Tonight, I'm going to talk about a couple of scary mom stories. And so I've been, I, I go through these stories and I read them and sometimes I even relive some of this stuff. And have you ever asked yourself, what kind of mom am I? I'd want to say I'm a great mom. But after reliving some of these stories and some of these things that happened and my response and my reaction, I'm not so sure. I probably could have used a class or a book or something like that. I mean, parents drop the ball on occasion, right? And I think single parents may drop it a little more frequently. So I got my disciplinary methods from my dad. He was unrelenting. I thought that when I was growing up, but I used that same map because it was necessary. I'm managing three against one in here. So let's talk about a couple scary mom stories. When my youngest son was in the third grade, he ended up being in the class with one of his good friends. And that's, that's nice. And as the year progressed, the teacher called me to complain She said that he and his friend had become very disruptive. Okay, okay. Is this what we're doing? Okay. So one day, I show up at the classroom. I stood in the doorway just long enough to be noticed and to start the little whisperings. I went in. I sat down. I didn't say a word. I didn't even look at him. But from the look on his face, he knew he'd have messed up. So I sit in the back of the classroom, all the kiddies, oh, they're so well behaved on this morning, right? So where I was sitting, I had a direct eye shot to my son. And every now and then, he would peek back, I I think probably just to see if I was still there. After I sat there for a while, I got up and I left. I never said a word, didn't even acknowledge him. So when he got home, he just kept looking at me. I think he was expecting me to say something about it or, 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 or confront him about something. But there was nothing. I gave him nothing. And I will bet you I never got another phone call about disruption, not from that teacher. And I mentioned in, in previous episodes that this child, my younger son, was very athletic. So he was also very, very smart, but wasn't always intent on using that part of himself. You know, he loved basketball. So in middle school, they were having a game and he was the tallest. So they always had him as a starter. Before the game, I got some of his grades back on a test or an assignment or something like that. And the grade was terrible. 
And I, I'm saying to myself, I know he can do better. I know he can do better. He's just being lazy. So, okay, I'm going to fix that. I love the fact that he loved to play sports. So as far as I'm concerned, the books are way more of a priority. I made sure I made that clear to his teachers and to his coaches, you know. But this day, he had a game. So I went to the game early. I wanted to have a word with the coach. And I told him that my son had just got some terrible grades. He's like, yeah, yeah, yeah. I know, miss. I know. So I told him, well, he's not playing today. So the coach looked so shocked. He, he immediately starts to try to bargain with me. He said, oh, oh, okay, okay, okay. I won't let him start. I said, you're not hearing me. He's not playing at all. In fact, if he doesn't get those grades up, he's no longer playing on the team. So he looks at me. He says, oh, oh all right, all right, miss. Can we talk about this? I told him, sure. But then I raised my voice. But I said, if he steps his foot on that court tonight, I'm coming out of those stands and I'm snatching them off the floor myself. Are we clear? As I'm walking back to the stands, I could hear the coach like whispering to the other coach. You know, the coach came up right after I left and um, he's like, no, 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 he can't play today. Uh, his mother yelled at me. <laughs> Scary mom. We talk about these stories now that my kids are adults and, you know, sometimes I want to get their perspective and I still find out stuff that I didn't know way back then. So my youngest son recently told me, he says, Ma, when I was growing up, I wasn't scared of no teacher, no police, nobody. He was like, just do not call my mother. Remember when cell phones first came out? Well, I remember. I got my daughter and my oldest son a prepaid or pay-by-minutes phone. So here comes the first bill. I'm not thinking nothing of it. I opened the bill and was floored. $720. $720? I didn't make a whole lot of money back then. So any bill that came into our house that was $720 has just put our household in jeopardy. I'm calling customer service, you know, because surely got to be some kind of mistake. This cannot possibly be a real bill. She assured me that the billing was correct. And I'm like, how can that be? How is that possible? So she told me that the best way to figure all of this out was to wait for the paper bill to come in the mail and, you know, check it line by line. Okay. So soon as the bill comes in, I rip it open and I see about one million text messages all listed out one by one there's text in there like my son he's texting he's saying what are you doing his friend is like watching tv he said well what are you watching nothing you going to school tomorrow yeah i'm like are you kidding me back then you were charged for each text and there were a million of them it would have been so much cheaper to just, just just make the phone call. Talk for a little while. Even though you pay by minutes, talk it out. Then eventually my younger son, he gets the cell phone. 
But his mindset has always been basketball. Caught up in basketball. He played every day. Every single day. That's all he wanted to do. And after school, he would go over to the Boys and Girls Club to play basketball. This night, he handed his stuff to a friend to hold. You know, they don't have lockers and stuff like that. So while he's out on the court, she's holding his jacket, his sneakers, and yes, 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 his cell phone. So once he did that, he was oblivious. He got that ball in his hand. He hit the court. He didn't pay no more attention. Later on that night, I get a phone call from one of the counselors at the Boys and Girls Club. He says to me, "Um, I have your son, and he's very, very upset. He said someone stole his phone. He said he asked around, but nobody knew anything. And then the counselor told me that he had my son sitting in the back room because, you know, it was really hard to calm him down. He was very upset. Yeah, I know why he was upset, because here I come. I drove over trying to find out what's going on. So when I get there, I'm already pissed, all right? I mean, he just got that phone, and now it's gone. So I march into the Boys and Girls Club, start heading down the hall to the game room area that's um, located in the back. The room is full of kids, and I can see the office, but I can't get to it because there's kids all around. But when those kids saw that look on my face, I am not kidding you. They parted the path. It's like they knew. They parted the path like the Red Sea. I'm still mad marching, y'all. I go into the office. There's my son, the counselor, and another one of his friends, all held up in this back room, right? So my first question, I'm not even looking at nobody. I think my eyes was like up up in my head. I'm like, where's your friend who had my phone? The counselor went out, and he brought her back into the room. So I'm already over the top. And as soon as she hit the door, I'm like, where's my phone? She's almost whispering like, I don't know. I said, not true. That's not true. You were holding it. So what happened to it? So after a few, she said, well, I gave it to. And she named another kid that she gave it to. And I was like, where's this kid? And she said, well, um, he's no longer here and whatnot. And we found out that that wasn't true either. So I told her, okay, quite frankly, if. I don't get my phone back tonight. First, I'm going to your house and I'm going to confront your parents. Then I'm going over to the police department. I'm going to file a claim. I'm going to take your parents to court because somebody is buying me another phone. That was my phone. And then she looked all confused like, no, I think you like, like basically I think in her head, she's saying, no, that was your son's phone, but I paid for that phone. So that makes it mine. So I look at her and I'm like, I want my phone back and I want it now. So she slinks out the room, you know, head down, hardly looking at me. And she knew I wasn't kidding. So after a few minutes, bunch of rumbling, rumbling and chattering outside of the office door, she comes back in and guess what she had with her? Yep. You guessed it. My phone. I snatched my phone and my son. The counselor walked us out of the building and he said, you weren't playing. I just looked at him and went on about my business. Scary mom. 
my daughter and I were talking a few months ago and she told me a few things that I didn't know. I told you there's some things, you know, this podcast is bringing up a lot of old memories, but it's also revealing things that I had no idea. So first story she tells me is that my sister would always take the lima beans out of her mixed vegetables. This is something that my sister would do for her because she knew my daughter didn't like them. Okay, so one day my daughter says something smart to my sister, her aunt, and my sister dumped all of the lima beans back onto her plate. She told my daughter if she kept up with her smart mouth, she would get a box of rocks for Christmas. And yes, on Christmas, my daughter opened a beautifully wrapped box full of rocks. And when she opened it, I'm looking at it like, what is this all about? I had no idea. I didn't know. Not until now. At one point, we all lived together. My sister, my brother-in-law, and my niece. My daughter and my niece were inseparable. You know, they're only a few months apart. So they grew up more like sisters than cousins. So one night, my daughter is there, you know, with my my sister and my brother-in-law. And she goes into the bathroom and she finds my brother-in-law's razor. So this is not one of those, you know, lady shaver type razors. This is a real razor that you open up, you put the razor blade in and that kind of thing. So she picks it up and she shaves it across her chin. Needless to say, the razor opens up her chin and she starts bleeding. My brother-in-law, of course, he came to the rescue and, and he patched her all up. And thank goodness it was only a, a surface scar. When she told me these stories, I'm asking her, why didn't I know about these? And she says to me, ah, there's like a slight hesitation. Like, you were scary. She's right. She's right. On her first day of high school, she went to take the city bus. You know, we lived a few towns away from the school. So previously, she and I had rode the bus together. You know, I wanted her to get familiar with the route. But on the first day of school, she had to make the trip alone. And and she told me that she asked me um, where she's supposed to get off again, but I didn't respond. I didn't answer her. And I don't remember all the details of that day. Not at all. I tried. You know, I'm probably rushing around and, and didn't even give her that information. So she goes to take the bus and she becomes anxious because she is not sure what stop she's supposed to get off at. So she told me at that point, our cousin happened to be on the same bus. So when my daughter saw her, she burst out crying. My cousin ended up staying on the bus and riding with her all the way to the school. And thank goodness my cousin was on that bus because I, well, I dropped the ball. I apologize to her today, but back then, all she needed was a little more time, a little more of my time. She needed me to give her reassurance, and I didn't. I'm not sure what had my attention. I cannot remember, I tell you. But how scary was I to send her out to the point where she came to tears? Now, to be honest with you, it took a lot more to scare my oldest son. You know, you give your child a look and they straighten up. 
you point at them with them squinty eyes and they and they react. <clears throat> not this kid, not this one. There were so many issues, a bunch of different schools for all kinds of different reasons. You know, the principals, the counselors and the teachers, they would call me so much that each one of them had my personal cell phone number. Not kidding you. Along with the job number, of course, but they could call me direct. And I was there so much that most of them called me by my first name. I'm pretty sure some of them thought I was part of the faculty. Once this caused me to lose my job. Well, let let me explain better, okay? I'm a contract employee. I work on assignment. So when you finish your assignment, the, the employer has the option to renew you or decline to bring you back. So that's how I lost my job. They declined to bring me back. But working this way as a contractor helped me to stay real flexible with my time. You know, in my household, it's three against one. I needed all the, all the options that I could get. But there were so many incidents with my older son. Phone calls and running to his school to deal with him because the teacher or the principal, they couldn't. Go pick him up because he got suspended or attend a conference to decide if he could stay at this school or should I be looking for another one. Or they just needed me to get on the phone with him to try and get him back on track. So with all of these incidents, and and, I, and I'm the only one that can do it, so I have to do it. And do I risk giving up the job? Yes, I risk giving up the job. But if the teacher calls me, I'm going to need to answer. So with him, though, it wasn't just at school, though. Once I had to leave work because he starts showing out at the uh, summer church camp. They call me up talking about he's acting up. So when I pull up at the church, I didn't even turn off my car. I stormed into the building and I found him sitting outside the pastor's office. So when I got there, the pastor told me that I could talk to him in his office. And I'm like, talk, talk. Did pastor say talk? I dragged that boy into the office and I wore him out. First, because he was showing out to the point where they had to call me. And second, for making me leave my job. When we emerged from the pastor's office, and yes, I said emerge. We did not come out of his office. We emerged. The pastor and the maintenance guy were standing there almost in a daze, but they completely understood what had just happened in there. So I looked at the pastor and I apologized to him and I pointed over to my son and I told pastor and he is going to be on his best behavior for the rest of the summer. You won't need to call me again. Walked out, went back to work. Yep, yep, yep. Scary mom. Anyway, how many of y'all remember stop and frisk? When my oldest son was a teenager, he was very, very popular. In fact, just up until recently, our house was, air quotes, the house. Everybody came and hung out at our house. And I knew most of his friends because they were always at my house. This is during that um, phase where the big baggy hoodies and the big baggy jeans, that was the style. So I would see my son and a friend or two walking down the street. I pull up on them and approach, stop and frisk. 
One day I was in my friend's salon. She had asked me to um, paint the salon name on the window. So she and I were standing there. We're admiring the finished product. And just then I see my son and his friend walking by, looking crazy. So I run out of the salon and I'm screaming at my son and his friend to pull up them doggone pants. Well, I didn't say doggone back then. I had a filthy mouth, but let's say doggone today. I pushed them both up against the salon and I can see my friend's face through the window and she's mouthing the words like, what the heck are you doing? I ran their pockets. I'm patting them down. I'm going all through everything, the backpacks, everything. My son is like, mom, what are you doing? I told him, if you want to walk around like this, hoodie up, pants hanging down, then you might want to get used to being pulled over and frisked. The boys were clearly flustered when I finished with them. I went back inside. Me and my friend cracked up. We laughed about that for a long time, for years. And his friends knew. They knew this about me. So they knew if they saw me, I might just pull up. Even when they came to visit my house, they visibly stood up straighter when I came to answer the door. They knew Take them hats off, sit up straight, don't be acting up up in here. Now, I wasn't their mom, but I was a mom, a scary mom. Well, I want to hear your thoughts. Please feel free to send any comments or questions and stories if you have. If you have stories that are similar to mine or, 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 or maybe not, we'd love to hear them. You can send them to Facebook, Never a Dull Moment, Single Mom Stories, Instagram, Never a Dull Moment Podcast, or email, Never a Dull Moment Podcast at gmail.com. I've enjoyed sharing with you tonight, and I hope you enjoyed listening. Until next time, Never a Dull Moment.